Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. So today I'm going to, I'm going to preach a little bit on Abraham's attitude. I want to go back to the very beginning, to the father of faith, and I want to talk about Abraham's attitude today. In this session we call August Attitudes. And I want God to help us turn to someone say, I'm going to help the preacher preach. I'm going to help pastor. And you may be seated. You're awesome people. I love you very, very much. Thank you, Brother Kirk. Little boy was taken to the dentist. He needed a tooth to be filled. And a cavity. And the, and, and the dentist said, now, young man, what kind of filling would you like for that tooth? He said, chocolate. That's what I call a positive thinking young man. You know, we don't hear much about PMA anymore, positive thinking attitude, like we used to. Some remember under the influence of the late, great Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, positive thinking was a rage. His theme was simply, if you can think it, then you can do it. Robert Schuller repackaged Dr. Peale's message as possibility thinking. But Dr. Schuler's son took the lead in the ministry and they've lost some of that possibility in that thinking. I want to put on the screen, no one can deny that a positive attitude is an important element in successful living. I've got a picture I'm going to put up on the screen in just a moment, but there was a move a few years back that embodied the power of positive thinking. It was a story of a University of Notre Dame football player named, named Daniel Rudiger. His name was Rudy. And there's a pic of him that's very current now. There he is. He'll be 68 years old, the 24th of this month. And the movie bore his name. In 1974, after a long, long trial of going through junior college, he walked on at Notre Dame, the football team, to head coach Ara Parsegian. And Rudy was raised in Joliet, Illinois, the third of 14 kids. And he didn't have the physical ability to make the Notre Dame team or any other football team in Division I at all. He was 5'7". 165 pounds when he came out of high school. And I think he might have put on by his senior year another 15 pounds, but he didn't grow another inch. And teammates said he treated every practice like a real game. But he had this dream, folks. He really did. And he never would quit trying to bring the dream to fruition. And over time, he won the respect of the players. And he worked so hard at his dream that at the end of his senior year in 1975, the whole team rallied to his support and demanded that coach then, Dan Devine, who took Parsegan's place, would put him in the game. In the closing moments of the last game, November the 8th against Georgia Tech, Notre Dame had scored and they were up 24-3 to and the game was really over. The crowd in the stadium got wind that Rudy might be able to get in the game and they started shouting, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. And when Rudy got his chance, you've got to hear this, folks. He had dreamed this all of his life, but when he got his chance... He had five seconds to play. He got in for the last play of the game, five seconds. And the quarterback at Georgia Tech was fixing to take the snap, and Rudy said, I've got to make the play. And he looked at the tackle on the other side, and he said, I can beat him because he don't know how fast I am. You hear him talking today. I heard his interview the other day. And he got inside the tackle and made a sack on the last play of the game, and for the first time and only time in the history of Notre Dame was a player carried off the field. Rudy was carried off the field. He was given honored. We love all these stories. People, we love people who have dreams, people who think positive thoughts, people who conquer seemingly impossible odds. 
We call it simply mind over matter. It's, uh, and many of us believe, and rightly so, that there is something to it. Because our attitude can affect our destiny. As, as a man thinks in his heart, Proverbs 23 and 7 says, so is he. As you think, so you are. Many doctors and nurses believe that older people die simply because they think it's just time to die. So they give up and they, as it were, to live. Others with more hopeful attitudes seem to live long and vigorous lives. There was a There was a study done several years ago at the University of New York at Geneseo, which tested this hypothesis. A psychologist began suggesting to 15 octogenarians, people over 80 years of age, who were healthy in a New York nursing home, that they could have a happy and a long life. And it seemingly worked. Those people lived an average of 6.2 years longer than the matching control group who didn't have those encouraging messages. They had even fewer illnesses. Their attitude about life seemed to have made a difference. On the flip side, there's a great author that I've read after many times. His name is Major Harold Kushner. He was a POW in uh, Vietnam for five and a half years in a prison camp. And he wrote the book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. And among the prisoners with Kushner in that POW camp was a 24-year-old strapping, strong young Marine who had survived two years of prison time in good health. The reason partly was because the camp commander had promised to release the man if he cooperated with their wishes. They had done it before to others and so this man thought, well, I'll get out also. But as time passed, he realized that he had been lied to and that they were not going to release him. And when the thought truly hit him, he became a zombie. He refused all his work. He rejected all offers of food and encouragement. And he simply lay on his cot, Kushner said, sucking his thumb in a matter of weeks, he was dead. See, our attitude, whether you're 80 and reaching for another year or 24 and don't see a beautiful tomorrow, our attitude may determine how long we live or how quickly we die. It also may determine how successful we are while we are living I want to tell you something, folks. It's amazing what can happen when you have a positive mental attitude in life. Amen? It's a great thing. I want you to think right now. I want you to think how good it is to be alive today right now. Amen? I want you to think how good it is to have health in your body right now. I want you to think how good it is to be in the house of God here today. Amen? And I want you to think how good it is to have family and to have children and to have hope and to live in America and to be here right now in God's presence. It's a great thing. Come on, clap your hands. It's good to believe that things are going good in your life. Back in the 50s, there was a fascinating experiment that took place. Researchers filled a 200-gallon aquarium with water and put a fish in that water called a northern pike. And the fish was known as an aggressive predator. And so every day was dumped into that aquarium several hundred minnows, the pike's favorite food. And the pike had all the minnows it could eat. Then one day, they just slipped a glass between the two aquarium sides. And there was a a clear glass slipped between. And they put the minnows on one side and the pike on the other side. And the pike just kept ramming into that glass, trying to find those minnows and get to them. Realizing that he could not get to him, he begins just swimming in circles because he couldn't capture his prey. And soon after, they removed that glass after a time and the pike gave up 
and, 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 and still just kept swimming in circles because he did not realize that even though the minnows were swimming around him, he had given up hope that he could ever have the minnows for his food again. It's a conditioned thing that they called it to believe food was no longer available and so the pike starved. And motivational experts tell us that human beings are somewhat like the northern pike. A negative attitude can act like a glass wall, keeping us from our dreams. And if you believe you are a loser, you will be. And if you believe you can't do it, you're usually right. But I believe with everything that's in me that we still can do it in America. We still can succeed in America. I still believe that no matter how many attacks have come against this country, and I'm going to preach about country now. I don't care how many attacks have come. There's still a nation that is still proud, that is still the red, white, and blue, that still has a great future, that still has a great destiny. And God is still with America today. And I still believe that all things are possible with God Almighty. Somebody help me preach right now. Chuck Swindoll said, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude. Attitude to me is more important than facts, he said. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstance, than failures, and successes. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on that one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with all of us. We are in charge, folks, of our attitudes. But our attitude can have a drastic effect on our destiny. And yet even the most dreamy-eyed of us know there is a limit to how far a positive attitude will take us. I'm fixing to preach now. I'm going to put on the screen something else is needed in our life besides a positive mental attitude. We need Jesus. I don't care how positive you think, it can't wash away your sins. I don't care how positive you think when the doctor said you're going to die in two weeks with brain cancer. There needs to be somebody step in that room and say, I am the healer in your life. I don't care how positive you think. Oh, I'm going to preach right now. It does not matter. There's some times in your life when you need to get a hold of a greater power and a greater force and a greater thing in your life than you yourself. Oh, I love positive thinking people, and I am one, but there's something greater than that. There is a God in heaven that says, when it's impossible with you, it's still possible with me. Hallelujah. Is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for God? I believe that with God, all things are possible. Wow, 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 wow. In the 60s, China went through a cultural revolution under Mao Zedong. A major feature of that revolution was the outlawing of intellectuals and anyone else who had Western connections. See, Mao's henchmen tried to reprogram the nation's mind by making all citizens memorize his famous quotations. And by memorizing these quotations, a person was taught that they could do anything just memorizing Mao Zedong's quotations. 
There was a, a doctor named Nian Ching who was a medical doctor before the revolution and after it she was banished for seven years into solitary confinement and she lived in horrible, horrible conditions and it was constantly cold and frigid and so she developed a cold and then later developed bronchitis. And when she requested medical help, knowing from her training that what was wrong with her and what needed to be done, she just didn't have the medicine for herself. A young man came to her and quickly decided she had hepatitis. He was one of his, his, his men. And, 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 he, and he would like to check her blood and listen to her chilling words. Here's what she said. She says, I was so astonished. Any ignoramus, that's her words, with no special medical knowledge would know I had bronchitis, possibly virginal pneumonia not hepatitis, an inflammation of the liver with symptoms entirely different from mine. What sort of doctor was this young man? She said, I bent down to look at him through the opening of a small window and I saw a country lad no more than 20 years of age in a soldier, soldier's uniform. And I realized he was not a trained doctor at all, but he had been given the job because Mao Zedong had said, we must learn swimming from swimming and we'll learn to be doctor by playing a doctor. There were reports in the newspaper of cases where untrained hospital people were said to have performed operations successfully after Mao's suggestions and, and, and quotations. During the operation, revolutionaries anxious to prove the magic of Mao's words remained in the operating room reciting quotations almost in a chant from a little red book of quotes from Mao. While the untrained doctor struggled with the patient to try to keep him alive. Can you imagine operated on by a doctor with absolutely no training? I don't know about you folks, but I strongly believe in the power of positive thinking. Nevertheless, I choose that between a doctor with the right attitude or one with the right skills, I think I'll choose skills today, okay? I think I will. A man came up to me, he's having cancer surgery on his brain tomorrow, and it's not good at all. He came to me, and I prayed with him, and I'll be there with him in the morning. He's one of my favorite people. He never misses a service. He's here all the time. And I said, are you worried? He said, naturally, Pastor, I am worried. And I said, I know you are worried, but I will tell you this, that God is going to give you the most skilled physician that he's ever put in an operating room. And not only that, he's going to be more skillful with you than he's ever been in all of his life. Because you are a child of God. I'm telling you there's something more that needs to be added to this thing called positive mental attitude. When Mao got sick during all this revolution time, he called for Western doctors to come and take care of him. And they'd jet him into Beijing. He got the best. He didn't want somebody just wearing a suit saying, I'm a doctor. Positive thinking is great, but there's limitations. It can't cause us to do something we can't and it, or be something that we aren't. So I'm going to preach today about Abraham just a little bit. I'm going to talk about him. It would be easy to think of Old Testament patriarch Abraham as the ultimate positive thinker. He actually believed, he actually believed, folks, that at an age of 100, did you hear me? 100. 100. Men, I understand virility, okay? But 100. There's got to be some woman pause somewhere in that. If women go through menopause, there's got to be some woman pause somewhere in that. At 100, he, he had to lose that positive thinking attitude after a while. He had to say, Lord, hey, hey, Lord, can I talk to you today? Hey, 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 Lord, hey. You remember those stars you promised was going to be my seed? You remember that sand on the sea? Hey, Lord, I'm 100. I'm 100. Can I just have one star? Can I just have one son? 
Can I have one? And he realized that Sarah was also past age. And he stopped in the middle of his tracks and he realized, you know what? There's got to be something more than just positive mental attitude about some things. There are some places that we get in life that thinking yourself rich when you're broke as you can be is more than you can handle. Somewhere in your life, you're going to need a boost from the Holy One of Heaven. Somewhere in your life, you're going to need God to intervene in your life. I'm telling you, I think everybody in this world needs a big old gulp of Jesus in their life. I think everybody in this world needs a hand of the Lord in their life. I'm going to preach it till the day I die. We need the Lord in our life. We need Jesus in our life. Hallelujah. And Paul describes Abraham. I want you to listen to this. This is so powerful. He describes Abraham's attitude about life. Because now he realizes I'm 100. Sarah's 90. This ain't going to work, God. If she was 30, it might happen. But she ain't 30. If she is 40, we might get lucky. But she ain't 40. God, she's 90. But Paul describes in Romans 4. Lord, I love this. I'm fixing to preach. Romans 4, if you want to read the whole, all, the, all the whole chapter, 1 through 25, he said, against all hope. Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Okay, I'm dead. I'm gone. Since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Okay, she's out of it. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding not his personal mindset, but regarding the promise of God. But was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. So, (laughs) he didn't waver through unbelief because he took the promise of God. He gave glory to God because he knew God had power. Everybody say, he, 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 he regarded the promise of God. He gave glory to God because he knew God had power. Everybody say, God's given me a promise. I'm gonna give him glory because he's given power to me to get it done. Listen to me. If a hundred year old man can have that kind of act on God, we are the children of Abraham. And if God can do that then, he can do that now. There is nothing. There is nothing impossible with God. Think about that, man. Think about it. If you can think it, you can. Well, that's what we'd like to think. But remember the story of Pinocchio. The little wooden creature who kept lying and his nose kept getting longer. Jiminy Cricket sang a song to him and said, when you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I don't care how much you believe in something. The only thing that can cause you to be born again is Jesus Christ. The only thing that can heal you is the blood of the Lamb. The only name that can raise you up is Jesus. The only one that can save you from a world of sin is Jesus Christ. Anybody want to give him some glory and some PMA today? Come on now. Clap your hands for that. Thank you, Jesus. 
See, positive thinkers have faith in what they can do. Abraham had faith in what God can do. This August attitude that I'm preaching is not about us just thinking more positively. It's us thinking more positively about what God can do in our lives. It's us about making statements, not about us, but about him. If God be for me, who can be against me? I will say of the Lord, he is my God. In him will I trust. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and staff, they comfort me. Come on. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. Question mark. No. My help comes from the Lord. I'm not going to look to science. I'm not going to look to government. I'm not going to look to the world. I'm going to look to the Lord from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. Somebody rejoice in that today. Wow. I love David. I love David. Abraham was a friend of God. David was a man after God's own heart. I love David. I'm going to close with David today. I love David. He wrote some of those beautiful psalms. And back sometime he wrote them at night. He called them night sands on the harp. And when I, when I kind of get melancholy sometime, I want to pick up the psalms and I want to read the psalms. It's powerful stuff. Things will jump out to you in the Psalms when you're kind of melancholy. They'll kind of jump out to you and you'll say, wow. Like David said in Psalms 32 and 34 and 2, when I boast, he said, I will boast in the Lord. Oh, I'm going to boast. I'm going to brag. But I'm not going to boast in me. I'm going to boast in him. Nobody like him. In fact, he said in 44 and 8, In God, I will boast all day long. In fact, he said seven times a day will I praise him. I'm going to boast in him. I'm not, don't look at me and say, boy, you're the king. No, 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 no. I serve the king. David, you're mighty. No, no, no. The one I serve is mighty. You know what? I I, I, got to say this. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But this is what I love in Psalms 41. He said, by this I know that you favor me. Because my enemy does not triumph over me. He said, I'm not doing the fighting. I'm just fighting for you. But I know that I have favor in you. And I'm not going to be whipped. I'm not going to be triumphed over because you have favor on my life. He wasn't boasting in himself. He was boasting in the Lord. He also said in 119, I ask for your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to your word. And then this is my favorite. I'm going to explode. I can't hardly help myself. I'm going to explode right now. Psalms 91, he says in verse 2, I will say of the Lord. Not I will say of myself. I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge. He's my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. And the very next verse, he said, because he is my Lord, he will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. It's time for some of us to open our mouth when we look in the mirror and not say, wow, I'm bad. We need to say, Enemy, I got a bad daddy. I've got a bad father. 
I will say of the Lord, you are my God, my refuge, my fortress. And because of that, I will be delivered <laughs> from the noisome and pestilence and from the fowler. Some of you need to say so. You need to say so. You need to open your mouth and say, I'm God's kid today. I'm God's child today. I belong to him today. I'm not doing this by myself anymore. I belong to Jesus. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my strong tower. He's everything to me. I belong to him. I got to quit. Lord, I'm preaching myself silly. I love, I love the attitude of God with us. 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 16 is a beautiful little passage. It just has three names there listed. It's three sons that David had in Jerusalem, and they're, they're not known. They're not like Solomon. They're not like Absalom. They're not like Amnon. They're not like a daughter Tamar or like a son Adonijah. They're not like those kids. Those people are known. These are three unknown sons. And, and many theologians think that these three sons were actually the, the criteria for what he governed his life with and how he governed himself. And because of how he named these boys, it let, it let us know and see the secret part of David. Not as a king, David, but as a king under the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Because he named these boys just three simple names. They're hard to pronounce. He named them Elishama, Elida, and Elephalet. Sounded like he was stuck on the E's. Maybe he didn't want an elf in class, so he stuck on the E's. That was, that was an attempt to be funny, and it wasn't funny. <laughs> but here's what those names mean. Every time he looked at Elishama, he saw a boy that, whose name means God sees me. God sees. He sees when I'm low. He sees when I'm in trouble. He sees when I'm down. He sees when I'm hurting. He sees when I'm in pain. He sees when I'm lifted up. He sees when I'm being blessed. He sees me. God's eye is on me. Is that a neat thing or what? Friends may turn their back and turn their eye from you, but God's eye is always on us. That's not a negative thing to me. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's better than, than, the, than, that, than that emergency button you have in your car that's, that calls all these people to come and help you. You say, God, I'm lost. He says, I know where you are. God, I'm in a hog pen. I know where you are. God, I need help. I know exactly where you are. And if you'll get up and make three steps north and two steps west, I promise you I'll be there to meet you. I'm here for you. But you've got to get up and show you want to come to where I am. I see you where you are. Job said, I looked for him on the right. I looked for him on the left. I went forward, went back, and I couldn't find him. But he said, he knows the path that I take. He, he sees me where I am. That's a neat thing, folks, to know that God sees you. The second son was named Elida. His name means God knows. Everybody say, God knows. He knows the intent of my heart. Can I share something with you? Can I share something with you? If you ever get, if you ever get an opportunity to talk negative, don't do it. Don't do it. Because the Bible said only God knows the heart and God tries the reins. The enemy does not know what's inside until you open your mouth and spit it out. 
Why don't you open your mouth every time you open your mouth? Think, think anything you want to think. You may have to say, mm, yeah, mm, yeah. But when you open your mouth, let blessings come out. Don't ever let hell think you're in trouble. Don't ever let hell hear you speak negative things that make people think you're in trouble. God knows what's in there. God knows the heart and he tries the reins. So when you open your mouth, how blessings come out. Balaam tried to curse the people of God and when he opened his mouth, blessings came out anyhow. God wants this to be a blessed place. Hear me. The enemy cannot curse what God's blessed. The enemy can't curse what God's blessed. So you might as well just shut your mouth and quit talking negative about God's church. God's church is predestined. It's on its way to glory and nothing's going to stop it. Nothing's going to hold it back. So bless the kingdom of God. Bless the house of God. God knows our hearts. And the third boy was named Elishama. Elephalet, pardon me. His name means God delivers. And they say that was David's heart. God sees me, God knows me, and God delivers me. Wow. That's about all you need, isn't it? God sees, God knows, God delivers. God sees, God knows, God delivers. God sees, God knows, God delivers. Nobody like him. Nobody like him. So I hope, I hope that each of you are happy to be alive in God's beautiful world. This August, we're going to talk about an attitude that's God-shaped. An attitude that's God-shaped. Do you know you can change your thinking in the presence of Almighty God? God wants to shape our attitudes and shape our, our formations of our thought processes. It's not just to let your mind run wild. It's for God to shape us and make us what He wants us to be. And it's not just running quotations through us and certain scriptures through us. It's saying, I will because God is. And that's how we're going to live our life. Clap your hands if you receive the word of the Lord. today. Amen. Amen. There is a, there's a, there's a beautiful thing that is happening to a lot of churches. I received a, I received a phone call yesterday from a from a long distant friend of mine or can I say he had called and I called him back let me get it right I don't want to mis, misquote it but they are, they are a group of people that are so hungry for the things of God in their city and they cannot find a place where the, the Holy Spirit is operating and the power of God and the presence of God is operating so they have, they have called, they have called and asked me if I, if I could find somebody to send to them and, and, and send them an evangelist or send them somebody. They have 75 to 80 in home group right now that are so hungry for just a move of God. And so my suggestion was move to Austin and come to Christian Life Church. And we laughed, we laughed. But my heart is broken for those kind of people. Because they want so much and they don't have any place to go to get what they desire. It's an awesome thing, folks, to come to Christian Life Church on Sunday morning and hear singing like you heard today. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you'll always be. 
And then hear a word, not about just positive mental attitude, positive mental, mental thinking, but an attitude that God is my positive and God is my strength. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. There's nothing that's better than that in your life. And I want you to appreciate what God is doing at Christian Life Church. And I want you to open your mouth and start declaring, God is my strength. God is my help. God is my portion. God is what I need in my life. My dad used to pray so different than my mom. Mom, we used to pray when I was a kid. She'd get one, my, my brother on one side and wrap him up in a, just in a bear hug and me on the other side. And she'd squeeze us to her because she wanted us to hear her pray. Oh, God, bless these boys. Don't let them go to hell, God, Jesus. And we'd go to bawling and say, Mom, I don't want to go to hell. I miss her. Her birthday was yesterday. She'd be 91. She was a bad mama. My dad, my dad was so special. He, he always stood. Dad always prayed near a door. He'd stay near a door. I guess if mama come start to arm wrestle him or try to put him under her wing, he'd run out or something. I don't know. But they were so different. But I, I used to, when mom would relax her grip and I'd, I'd get out of that, that crean I was in, you know, when, you, when they hold you in a position so long, you know. I'd go over to where dad was, and I loved to hear dad pray. Here was dad's prayer. Dad was six, four and a half, 240 pounds, just a giant of a man. And here's the way he would pray, so sweet, so humble. He'd say, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. Would you be the Lord of this house? Would you be the father of this house? I can't do this. And I miss that prayer and so in order to not miss that prayer I pray that prayer because some people think that a pastor just has it all made you know you eat fried chicken and work one time a week you know and all that eat bluebell till you can't eat no more you know you know what I'm talking about but I pray that prayer Lord I can't do this church thing but you can be the Lord of this house. I think it'd be very appropriate today if all of us prayed that prayer in our life. Lord, we need you to be the Lord of our house. We need you to be the Lord of our lives. We need you to be the Lord of everything that we are and everything we ever hope to be. Would you rise in one accord here today and stand in the presence of the Lord? And ask the Lord, just raise your hands all over the house and ask the Lord to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life. Would you do it right now? Dear Lord, dear Lord, be the Lord of my life. Dear Lord, be the Lord of our home. Be the Lord of our marriage. Be the Lord of our children. Be the Lord over everything we are. Be the Lord over our job. Be the Lord over everything that happens in our life. Be Lord, be Lord, be Lord. Be the Lord of all. 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 Oh God, I can't do this. I can't do this by myself. I need you, Lord. I positive mental attitude myself out the door, but I can't do this by myself. I need you. I need you to help me be Lord in my home. Be Lord in my life today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want our prayer partners to come right quick. And if there's any of you that need prayer today,
And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.